And we're live from the nation's capital. Our Reds, Trista, look like they're not going to be getting a game in at this point against the Orioles. The rain is moving in. It's like the whole East Coast that's about to get hammered, too, or it has been getting hammered with these storms. So it's crazy because, like, I always joke about this where we are, where if you don't like the weather, they say, like, wait five minutes. But this time of year, it's either scorching hot and super dry or you just get monsoons for a week. So we're in the monsoon stretch right now. So a lot of the East Coast not getting uh, not getting baseball games tonight. Yeah, and you know what is interesting to me is the fact that we've got, because I have the Texas Rangers, who we just talked about last segment, uh, being the leader in the clubhouse to win the division, just getting punched in the throat by the Detroit Tigers at the crib, 4-1. I have the Rangers on the money uh, on the money line, minus 200. That is exactly what we do not want to see. It is still early, still the third inning, but I do not like that. Do not like that. Yep, rain delay, Orioles up 2-1 in the bottom of the third, and uh, we may be sitting there for a while. I've heard some, heard some claps of thunder. Meanwhile, LSU all over Florida. This may be LSU's game. I was on LSU, didn't give that out, but I feel probably should have because feel pretty good about it. Uh, here comes LSU. Here come the Tigers, Trista. And then it's Little League World Series after that. The, this is when I know it's summertime, is when you see the Little League World Series on TV. Then I know that it is, it is the middle of summer. Tiger bait. Tiger bait, y'all. Gators just tiger bait. <laughs> so uh, there's, we're getting more and more stuff now about uh, Dame, right? Like this is just, it, it's bound to happen. And I, I noticed something with you. you. You touched on it briefly, but I think this is a chance for us to really, because like it's one thing to look at all this from a betting perspective. or what, That's fine. We got plenty of time for that. But you're also a fan of the Portland Trailblazers. And the name that is now the biggest name out there in terms of could maybe possibly be traded is Damian Lillard. Bradley Beal's gone. He's moved on. He's out of Washington. I can finally just move on from that, even though they should have done it two years ago. But I've noticed a change with you. And not forget betting, forget Portland's future or their expectations. Just as a Portland Trailblazers fan, you were anti, no, 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 it's not going to happen, never going to happen, never. I've noticed a change in you now where that fandom is coming with a little sadness, but also an acceptance of like, hey, there's a pretty good young team if they do move Damian Lillard and this Portland Trailblazers roster is actually going to be a lot of fun moving forward. I'm a realist. I'm a fan of Dame. I'm a fan of this team. But ultimately, it's a business. And you can't saddle yourself to make bad decisions as a team just because your star player, who has been very loyal to you, wants you to do things that may not be in the best interest of the team long term. Damian Lillard's 33 years old. There is no magical trait that's going to make this team a contender this year or next year. If Damian Lillard wants to go to a contender right now, it's going to be one very difficult, right? Because it's going to take a lot to get him uh, to a new team. The assets required, the players required, it's going to be a lot. It may not make his new team a contender. But do we really want to swing for the fences does this team really want to swing for the fences on a guy like Paul George or Zion? Both often injured, both not making, playing many games, and both making a lot of money just because it makes Damian Lillard feel fuzzy inside? No. I don't want Zion for five years, $200 million, just because it's what Damian Lillard thinks makes his team a contender. I love Paul George. He's one of my favorite players to watch. But Paul George... Even Jerry West is saying, Paul George, you don't play any games. So ultimately, 
if there was no magic trade out there to make Damian Lillard happy, which would have been Mikhail Bridges, right? They offered the number three overall pick, which is a potentially trans transcendent talent in scoop. I said this to you at the break, a couple of like maybe a couple of segments ago. I got a text, a random out of the blue text from a current NBA GM that is not a Portland GM. And it's like, hey, Scoop Henderson's going, going to be a superstar. You should be happy. So you're, they offered a transcendent home run player who would have been a number one pick in any other draft and Anthony Simons plus some salary filler for Mikhail Bridges and probably the number 23 pick as well. So two firsts and a guy who's a 25 point score a day, a, a night. And they said, no. So if it's either getting fleeced or no, no trade, I don't want my team to saddle themselves in debt with an aging star. Uh, I, you need to make the right decision and that's scoot. So if the trade doesn't exist, that helps this team create that really good timeline to build for the future where it makes sense to re-sign Jeremy Grant, you've got Mikhail Bridges and you've got Shaden and you've got Dame, then hell fine. Like call it a day, see what you can get for Dame. That's where I'm at. Well, it's even gotten to the point too, where there's people saying, oh, well, you know, Draymond Green, they may be interested in Draymond. Like, I, look, I'm a big fan of Draymond. He is the defensive anchor for the Warriors. He's not making poor, he's not making any team a contender. He might can he can make a team better defensively. He's a great focal point he's also offensively. 33. Exactly. And you get to the point where when you start building a team with guys that are go into their 30s, multiple years past their 30th birthday, you start giving yourself a smaller and smaller window where Portland is. And I'd be curious to know what, know what their mindset would be. Let's say Portland had the fifth pick or the sixth pick. Maybe they're more willing to move that and then try to build around Damian Lillard than when you're getting somebody like Scoot Henderson, who can be a transcendent player, who in most drafts would have gone number one overall. So sometimes it's also just about the position that you're in where you almost, you get lucky. You move up in the lottery and you get an opportunity to draft a really, really, really good player, potentially transcendent talent. And then Portland says, you know what? This is the perfect time for us to rip that Band-Aid off and move on. I mean, you made the comparison earlier, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and Brett Favre still started multiple seasons before Aaron Rodgers actually was a starter there. But didn't Green Bay get a little bit lucky? Aaron Rodgers could have been the number one pick in that draft. Going to San Francisco, fell all the way to the end of the first round. Green Bay pounces on him and gets to wait. So, like, in some ways, Portland's just in a really good spot where it happened at the right time, and you get Scoot Henderson, you have the number three overall pick, and you say, now is as good a time as ever. Let's get a little bit younger. Let's go with the Oklahoma City Thunder model and say, let's build a bunch of young, talented players together. Let's have them all come up, get them well-coached, and then be in a position in a couple of years to have something that's not short-term success with a Paul George that could last maybe two seasons before he starts to age out and Dame starts to get older and starts dealing with more injuries like he did a couple of years ago. Instead, now you've given yourself a bigger, longer, wider window with an opportunity to keep guys there long-term if they're happy, like Dame has been, and then you can build on that and become maybe a legit contender down the road, but you've got the longevity, which you wouldn't have if you started thinking short-term now. A hundred percent, Nick. Like, that's just the way that it goes. That's the way love goes. And Damian Lord's <laughs> going to command a haul. You know, if Donovan Mitchell got you back, Lori Markinen and Walker Kessler, and or I think that's who it was. It was it was Lori Markinen, somebody else, and then multiple picks. 
like five picks. You've gotten pick swaps, and that's what Donovan Mitchell commands. What is Damian Lillard going to command, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, so it was Lori Markinen, O'Shea Baji, Colin Sexton, three first-round picks, and two pick swaps. I'm going to need to see more than that for Damian Lillard, who was second-team All-NBA. I don't care what Well, the difference – Donovan Mitchell was younger. The, the age will probably hurt at least a little bit. That may take the price down slightly. You know, when you got, have a guy that's still in his 20s, there's a little bit more value there. But, I mean, we saw Dame from two years ago when he was in that massive – remember that mass – I'm sure you remember the massive shooting slump that he was in. And you're like, what's, what's wrong with Damian Lillard? And then this past season, it was like, oh, Dame's back again. There's enough there now where you say, all right, he hasn't fallen off of a cliff like some people think Russell Wilson has. He had his best year ever. Mm -hmm. He shot 37% from three. 32 points per game, five rebounds a game, 7.3 rebounds per game or assists per game, and one steal per game. That's his best, best statistical year ever. He comes off the injury. He's been injured with his core for four years. He was playing at, a, at an MVP caliber level with a strained core where he couldn't even sit up without pain. Now he's pain free. Damian Lillard has turned back the clock. If you're a contender yeah. or a team that's very close to contending, Damian Lillard's on a pretty short-term deal. He's making a lot of money, yes, but he's a guy who can do a lot of good things for you. He can pass really well. He can shoot from anywhere. He's a combo guard who cannot just score but pass. So, yeah, like I'm going to need a lot for Dame. But ultimately, if I'm Joe Cronin, it's different. You know, it, Dame's, Dame's frustration largely came from a different GM. Right, it came from Neil Olshay, mm -hmm. who continued to draft very poorly, continued to trade first-round picks for nothing. They had no first-round picks for like four straight years. They get two first-round picks. They trade that those two to get Zach Collins in the year that OG Ananobi <laughs> exists, and and John Collins exists, and Bam Adebayo exists. All of those guys could have been drafted by Portland at ten. They don't. So yeah, Dame's like, you guys have been making bunk-ass moves. So could you guys try at least to do something to surround me with talent? So to that degree, it's like they're trying. They're taking swings. The, deal, the deals just aren't there, especially considering everyone knows that Dame wants you to become a contender or else. Portland's still the favorite to be his team at the beginning of the season at minus 175. Miami's just above even money, plus 110. And then it drops all the way down to Philadelphia, 12 to 1. New Orleans, 15 to 1. Brooklyn's also in at 15. Boston's 20. And like you kind of have to look there too and say, well, how many of those teams even have the ability to make these moves? Like we, we throw Miami around just because we've watched Pat Riley just wave his hands and make magic happen just out of the blue. And you're like, how, how did he get Jimmy Butler? How did he go and get Kyle Lowry? They have no cap space. And he makes it work. But Philadelphia, they're talking about now James Harden more than likely going to stay. So they're going to keep him. So you're not going to see Dame there at that point. Well, okay. Then we go to New Orleans. Well, is it – they move Zion for Damian Lillard? I mean, I guess maybe. But if I'm Portland, I'm not doing that. You're not going to get – Zion could play 25 games in three years. I mean, you have, yeah, you have no idea. So then it's Brooklyn. Brooklyn does have the assets. 15 to 1, Brooklyn has at least – because the one thing you always have to remember with this, sometimes it's more than others, but when you trade a star, the team that trades that star, you're like, you're not getting even money back. You're getting picks, cap space, young players, some combination of those. So on paper, 
you don't see it come to fruition maybe until for uh, you know a couple of years down the road when you get those picks or those young players come together. But I, I, I do think the Nets at least have a, some level of, of tantalizing assets to send back to Portland, right? If there was a Mikhail Bridges and you know, something along those lines. But you just start looking at some of these teams. Boston's 20 to 1. They just made a big move. I, I don't. I mean, unless they're trading Jalen Brown, and it's, and then it goes the other side. Does Portland want Jalen Brown over Damian Lillard? And I just don't think I do. Yeah, here's what I would want. If I'm Portland, I want, I want Cam Johnson. I want uh, Nick Claxton. I mm-hmm. want maybe something with the salary filler, whether that's Joe Harris or Spencer Dinwiddie. I want, and I want multiple picks. I want Brooklyn's 26 second round pick. I want their first round pick. I want Phoenix's first round pick that they own, own in 20 own in mm-hmm. 2027 that's unprotected. I want the first round pick swap in 2028, which is more favorable for Portland. So I want Cam Johnson and I want Nick Claxton, two guys who will play right away, positions of need, and I want them to also take Yusuf Nurkic. That to me is the deal that makes sense where you now have a starting team of Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp, Cam Johnson, Nick Claxton, and maybe like, I don't know who the four is. I don't really care at that point. Maybe Cam Johnson's the four and you start Shaden at three and maybe it's Anthony Simons at two or Scoot at two and Anthony Simons at one. So now you've got a really potent athletic team with some depth and you've got a real rim protector who is in the running for defensive player of the year. He's very young, very athletic. Now you've got Mm -hmm. all arms. Now you're really, really got a lot of picks for the future too. That's the trade for me that makes the most sense. And then what is, what is Brooklyn though? They're just Mikhail Bridges and Dame like, and Spencer didn't that's, eh, are you that much better than Portland now? It's, And then at some point, if, if you're Brooklyn, too, you're getting older. I mean, think about it. You're also becoming an older team, which doesn't help you either. So it's easy to throw these around. Miami, on paper, makes sense because they're in a win-now position. It, on paper, if you're keeping Jimmy Butler and Bam out of bio, but that's, again, what do you then give it? Like, what the hell are you giving back to Portland? So, But that's what you're hearing in the conversations, right? It's, well, they want to pair him with Bam, and they want to pair him with Jimmy Butler. Well, of course, Boston probably wants to pair Dame with – Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and and everybody else. So, like, it becomes a situation here. We kind of just look and go, it's hard. It's hard to make this deal actually go through where it makes sense for either side.